Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. think that worked and I, I, I think we already have our ending now <laughs> i bumped the microphone hello. hello hi yes no face palming the microphones this time hello hello, hello. It stop is. saying hello gary hello <laughs> hello 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 oh see that was an echo i don't know why it was in a different voice than mine donna do you know if that's water or vodka I'm thinking it's vodka right now, and I'm thinking that he needs to share. That is water! Water which goes into my body and replenishes the system. Interestingly enough, it seems like later on in the podcast we may be talking about how grad school makes you crazy. Hmm. So, Hmm. how do you like being a case study in that, Gary? I'm all for it. Good. Getting all your work done, your homework. Yes, last minute. Good. Maybe we'll talk about that. Like most... Grad students. <laughs> yes. So, today is the 25th of July, 2012. It is episode 68 of the Skeptic Wire podcast, of which you are listening to right now, and of which I am speaking. Well, a couple of days ago, I will but have spoke this. Na- is now but is right now. now that's being recorded. Then is also yes. now. For I them. didn't pre-record this to release it and then... Record the recording. Gary, I think it's pretty obvious that we didn't pre-record that. (laughs) My head hurts. It's all kind of timey-wimey. Wibbly-wobbly? Yes, exactly. We're talking about the questions that we were talking about last week, so you need to phone in this week for the things that we told you to ask about to call in from last week. So speaking of birthdays... So we can talk about them in a week in advance. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my head hurts. If you you remember, uh, what uh, what was that show... Uh, the show. Mr. Show with uh, Mr. Show. Bob Odenkirk and David Cross? Yeah. It's from Mr. Show, not the show. Mr. Show. Yes. It's from the Mr. Show. <laughs> okay, I think we need to move along. Oh, what do we got for birthdays? <laughs> well, speaking of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, science fiction-y kind of stuff, in uh, July 25th, 1978, was the birthday of Louise Joy Brown. Do you know who Louise Joy Brown was? Does that have she to do with the, the word? She was the inventor. No, she was the first singer to sing Sweet Georgia Brown. No. Or what was her name again? Louise Joy Brown. Well, she was obviously a very happy child. She, uh, oh, wait. The, the word, the word okay. tubular is coming to mind. What, yes. was, she, was she a surfer? No. Tubular is a she good guess. She was a beach bunny. No. You're getting further and further away. Gary, she, she, she was the first one to come up with s'mores. Tubular? S'mores? A beach. Cooking on the beach. Wow. Tubular or the beach? No, term? so you, you're you're going too far away. Think more of the two part of the tubular. Uh, oh, she came up with the idea that the internet is a series of tubes, which was then stolen <laughs> from <laughs> from a senator. I do know the answer to this, by the way. <laughs> well, despite all your funny, funny comments, Gary and Donna, uh, Louise Joy Brown, born. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Puberty strikes again. Um, 
got a frog in your throat? <clears throat> Miss Piggy did. Right. <laughs> so Louise Joy Brown, born July 25th, 1978, was the first ever um, kid born of in vitro fertilization. Oh. And so therefore she is the great Satan. To the Catholic Church. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yes. And and as you alluded to a minute or so ago, um, there was a bit of controversy with the the popes, or pope or popes that were around that time in the late 70s. Multiple popes at the same time? Well, it was... <laughs> you usually only see that in high-class porn. Well, there was... <laughs> it, she was born around the time that Pope Paul VI was going to die. Or did die? <laughs> he planned. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was old. I never paid attention to that. Uh, probably. So, Pope Paul the Sixth and uh, Pope John Paul. Uh, what is it? The first or second? Whatever the hell. Oh, uh, this was before Pope John Paul Ringo. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in that transition time is when Louise Brown was born, and there was the the controversy that kind of started. Is if is this a moral thing? And for some reason, I think the Catholic Church, which was originally couching it in the idea of, well, we don't want women to become baby factories. We'll leave that to the evangelicals. Um, but right, um, we just want them to have as many babies as possible that they can in the natural life. Yeah. But we don't know that would be factories. I mean, that's, <laughs> put, giving, get, making someone a child who can't conceive a child inside, that's, that's just insane. But hey, have all the sex you want. And babies. Lots and no babies. condoms. Anyway, this really has nothing to do with that. Yep, so science skeptically thing of new science that led to people who couldn't have kids, now they can have kids. And, um, yeah. We should good. probably also note that her mother passed away about six weeks ago. Yeah. I didn't know it was that recent. Yeah, her mother passed away early June 2012. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was not in the stuff I read. Thank you for filling in the blanks there, Donna. And that's why there are three of us, because me speaking here on a microphone on my own would be boring. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> with all due respect to you, same, same with me. Same, yeah, that's just, that's just, yeah. So you said it, yes. So what's not boring is how much you guys like us. Yeah, so it looks like we have over 300 likes on our Facebook page. Yay! Yay, so thank you all. Uh, which means that we are at the uh, same point on Facebook that YouTube takes to stop uh, the incoming views until they figure out how many people have actually viewed um, a YouTube clip. Okay. In case you didn't know, no, I didn't. The you, you'll see a lot of YouTube videos that say three hundred, three hundred one, three hundred six views, and that's because they have to do calculations at that point to see which ones are actual real views and aren't just people just refreshing the screen and spam bots or something yeah, like stuff that. like that. So huh. they they stopped it at three hundred one. But we're at 308, 309, something Yeah, like. well, I mean, if you get silent... Anyway, there's a, there's a whole video explaining why on YouTube. Go look it up. So I just thought it wasn't... thought it would be a humorous uh, anecdotal <laughs> tale, but apparently it was neither humus, humorous nor, nor anecdotal. Nor a tale. Nor a tale. Oh, well, but hey, uh, keep on like. Well, obviously you can't keep on liking it. Well, you can keep on liking us, but you can Tell can't. your friends to like us. Oh, yeah, tell your friends. But you can also go on to something like iTunes and give us a positive review, which oh, would be, be nice. good. Yeah, we need more reviews, specifically or, positive reviews. 
Have we gotten negative reviews? Well. In the beginning, we got one because we were still working on not talking over each other. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which we're obviously a lot better at now. We just have have nothing to say. (laughs) Sorry, Or they can send us an email like Lake did. Um, we have a Skeptic Wire <laughs> fan. He has shown up to several of our um, live shows. Live shows, uh, Lake, um, and he actually met up with you at Tam. Is my understanding? You being me, Greg. Yes, you, Greg. You have to do the sitcom thing of referring to me by my first name, otherwise listeners have no idea what's going on. Well, I would hope that they would know that Gary and I didn't go, so that it would be kind of obvious that we were talking about you. There were a lot of people, maybe, who were listening to us for the first time. Okay. And so, it's, it's Lake okay. met up with you, comma, Greg. Yes. At Tam. Yes. No, wait, where's the other comma? <laughs> Don't be a grammar Nazi here. <laughs> if you go throw a comma, Greg, comma, at Tam, Tam. not Greg at Tam, now it's like his name or something. I am Greg at Tam. <laughs> before me <laughs> for I shall challenge Dave the skeptical raisin to lordship over Tam yes who is uh, in case in carbonite I believe <laughs> resin but sure carbonite okay. anyway he, back to Lake back to Lake he um, said that he had a great time running into you at Tam and he actually has um, a theory or a hypothesis on why the Texas GOP is trying to retract its stance on being against teaching critical thinking. Um, and this is something you guys were talking about in episode 66 a couple weeks ago, yes, right? Yes, while you were at TAM. Okay. Um, and I'm just going to quote his email here. Now that both creationist and intelligent design teachings have been shot down in the courts, the current tactic used by right-wing funded creationists is to push through legislation supporting, quote, academic freedom, unquote, such as a recent law enacted in Tennessee with the justification that it promotes, quote, critical thinking, end quote, and, quote, objective discussion, end quote, about, quote, controversial subjects, end quote, specifically science issues, evolution and global warming. I think it is a plausible scenario for the Texas GOP that they took some heat from their leaders of the religious base when those leaders discovered that the GOP's platform appeared to undermine their current wedge strategy. And now the GOP is attempting to pass it off as a mistake. Uh, that, that, That does have a little bit of plausibility. However, the GOP also took a lot of heat from from. Everybody. From Republicans as well? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just admit that the GOP platform this time around was um, not a cohesive, critically thinking, well-thought-out document. <laughs> I can I can agree with that. Um, and that they were simply putting in place the, the, object, the objectives that they were seeking to enact. Right. Now, I, you know, I do say that there, there is probably some plausibility in there, and I'm pretty sure that they've <clears throat> taken heat about, you know, trying to, you know, ooh, if we remove critical thinking, we can't say teach the controversy. I'm sure that somebody along the lines has said this, other than sure. us and Lake. It's, it's a possibility. Yeah. Well, thank you for that email, Lake. Yeah. And I do apologize for mispronouncing your name last week. Thank you for giving me the correct pronunciation. So um, we've gotten a whole bunch of likes on our Facebook page. We always get more listeners, and we get fan mail. 
Um, it's it's really great to get this kind of attention from our fans. Um, I'm going. I would like to see if that we can, as a group, Skepticwire and our minions, being our listeners, can actually do a little bit more than just sit and listen to us talk. Um, we have minions. I'm going to decide that there are minions from now on. Do they do our bidding? I hope so. Um, So some of the talks at TAM were talking about getting out there and doing something, not just having a flame war on the preflot blogs, even though sometimes that's fun, and sometimes these issues actually need to be talked about, but get out there and do something. Um, A good friend of mine that I met at TAM also talked about wanting to do a central clearinghouse for slacktivists, people who (laughs) don't have a lot of energy and a lot of time but still want to do something. That So here's a couple of ideas, and I want to see how much we can really do. Um, there is a website slash um, browser add-on that Tim Farley of what the, What's the Harm uh, mentioned to all of us, um, which was called the Web of Trust. It's a plug-in? It's a plug-in that allows everybody to kind of communally rate different websites and say, well, I think this website is trustworthy versus non-trustworthy and from you know, a five-point scale. Hmm. So it can be a good crowdsourcing way to, say, warn people of sites that they don't know of yet. So, so like, say, respectful insolence would get, like, say, like a 4849, as opposed to natural news, who would get, like, a negative 3,000? We would hope, but the fact is that right now, out of like a scale of one to a hundred, natural news, its score right now is in the seventies, as in positive. <laughs> and we're probably gonna talk about natural news later on in the show, but okay, they are it, not trustworthy. I thought that they were it was more of a like an average. It's like, you know, you score one to five That's what you're saying. Right. The the score is, is essentially you have a continuum that you click on, say, this is what I'm scoring it at, basically from zero to one hundred. In five color categories. Oh, okay. I was wondering. So it's, you know, red, orange, yellow, light yellow, and green or something. Well, I apologize. Respectful insolence should be like 10 million. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <not> five. <laughs> apparently people out there are rating natural news very positively, and something mm-hmm. that an average skeptic can do very simply is go out and rate someplace, someplace like natural news on the web of trust especially for things like child protection and accuracy of information. I don't know if they're full of spam, that website, so you can rate them average on that. doesn't matter to me. It's more worried about kids and the reliability of their information, whether they're trustworthy. Hmm. So we will have a link on the show notes, but we've also posted on our Facebook page. And also I wrote a blog post about this call to action on the Web of Trust if you go to our blog post uh, blog page at skepticwire.blogspot.com, you can find that. Click on the links, simple instructions, just install the plugin, go to the Natural News website and rate them. Let's bring down those numbers and warn the unwary about someplace like Natural News. Is it good for all browsers? Yes. I do know that they, they have plugins for several browsers, and it sounds like Gary's doing that right now. So, so while, is Donna. So is Donna. Cool. So while my cohorts are doing that, I'm going to switch on to another Slacktivist project that they'll read about later or link about from the Facebook page, which is there is a WhiteHouse.gov petition out there 
Now, some of the whitehouse.gov petitions that were created last year when this whole thing started were things like, we want you to release information on the UFOs, or you had 500 petitions saying legalize pot. But there's a petition out there about the Indonesian atheist Alexander An, who has been currently jailed because he said, I don't believe in God, and linked to, I think it's cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad on his Facebook page. <clears throat> the Indonesian authorities have jailed him, and I believe have sentenced him by now to a period in jail. And the the, the petition on whitehouse.gov is to basically call on the United States government to condemn this and to speak out about this to make sure that everybody in any religious minority is protected from the majority. Yeah. So there's a whitehouse.gov petition. We have links. Go forth, my pretties. Fly, <laughs> my pretties, fly! And do slacktivist stuff because it's very simple. Takes you. If, if you install the plugin for Web of Trust, the next time you're going to raid a website, say homeopathy.com, or if there is one, it'll take you 30 seconds. And it's something you can do to help protect someone else. Uh, but speak about uh, being jailed for, for religious purposes. This is one that. <clears throat> Didn't really get any press over here, but the the there was a band who who pr- were protesting Putin uh, in in Russia of all places. Oh, you the, know the prime minister president guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looks good with his shirt off. That thing. <laughs> okay, he takes his shirt off for photographs. He sure. thinks he looks good with his shirt yeah. off. We'll put it that way. It seems to work for the Russian people. The band members from <laughs> the Russian band Pussy Riot. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a it's a feminist band. Um, they went into a church, into a cathedral, and sang a song, I, I guess during service? I don't really know. Yeah, they took over the pulpit at Christ the Savior Cathedral, enchanting Mother, Mo- Mother Mary Drive Putin Away and High Kicking Cancun Style. And they were arrested, and they've been arrested for six months. So kind of a dick move, but not something that should that's, require that's you to arrested. be arrested. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, the point is that the that the church in Russia has big ties with the government, and so it's the the church that's been pushing to have these people uh, jailed right. for for this long, you know, for the free speech. So just so you know, Russia not so much free speech still. Yep. So go out there and do little things like. Publicize, let your friends know about bands like the the punk band in Russia and Alexander Ron and sorry Pussy, Pussy Riot. Riot. I'm sorry, I I should have remembered that obviously. <laughs> or go to the Web of Trust and upvote Pussy Riot or dot com if there is such a place. I don't know, quite possibly. So fly, my pretties, fly. And we're gonna see if we can make this a regular segment of just hey, here's a little thing you can do. All right. Well, we can't put it off any longer. No, we we recorded the show last Wednesday. The what is it? The fifth? No, the eighteenth. Eighteenth, sure. What yeah. is it yes. called? Eighteenth. And then on the night Thursday of night. the nineteenth into the twentieth, effectively Friday morning. Yeah, late midnight showing. You guys all know what we're talking about: the horrible, horrible, icky, disgusting, vile. Hateful, right? End of Aurora, Aurora Colorado. Yeah, Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to belabor the point 
it's the kind of thing I, I it's it's such a horrible incident that I mean we we have to talk about it and we're going to talk about some of the more skeptical sides of the issue but we really do feel for the victims but we have to make if if we don't joke about it and try to just lighten the mood a little bit we'll just all start crying no. so the important thing is that we we take it seriously and we're going to talk about yeah. serious things but we're still going to try to make each other laugh because we like each other yeah now, one of the things I, I want to start with is, uh, first of all, uh, I uploaded the the episode, our, our episode of the Skeptic Wire, um, earlier that day and hadn't looked. I, I woke up, went in, edited, uploaded, then went to the web, and then I saw all of this stuff happening. So I had... No, I think I probably heard something on NPR as I was waking up, but... It didn't register. It didn't register at all. Um, and so I was a little worried because on Wednesday night we had, we had, a, we had made a joke. Uh, Donna was talking about some lady following her around in the theater. And one of her questions was, uh, what, what's one thing you don't want to do in the theater? And I made the joke, don't shoot the president. <laughs> Which is obviously a reference to Abraham Lincoln, right. not the Colorado shooting, right. but right. Yeah, obviously it could have been taken yeah. in really well, bad. Well, and it's it could have yeah, been uh, bad it, it could well be looked as, as insensitive or whatever. And so I wasn't certain whether I should have gone back and cut it out or anything. I said, well, well, it, you guys, said, we haven't received any hate mail, and you know who knows if someone just stopped. But so anyway, if you're offended, I apologize, but. You know, life unfortunately, well, not life unfortunately goes on, but, you know, shit happens. Yes. Right. And it's not like we, I mean, obviously we record this on the Wednesday. So we don't have foresight to say this was going to happen. No, of course. Not. And all of that jazz. So I don't think that it anybody is going to take it poorly. Right. You right. know, all things considered. Yeah. I was just worried about people being. Obviously hypersensitive, and that that happens. I mean, because you had you had uh, a lot of the late night show hosts coming on saying this was recorded earlier. We're you know we're upset about this as well, but we're here to enjoy ourselves. So let's yeah. Even, right. even like on. late night hosts like Craig Ferguson actually yes. cut bits out of his show because he didn't. Because he, he wanted to talk with the guests and have that light frivolity with it, yeah. but he didn't. He always starts out a show saying it's a great day for America and yeah. everybody cheers. He didn't want to have that too mu- too much of a light yeah. light hearted feeling to it. So you, you got to kind of reach that balance, okay. and hopefully we won't talk walk over that line too much. But you, you have some situations where the things like the the NRA tweeted the morning of. That it the the shooting happened with like Happy Friday shooters got any big weekend plans? Yeah, and that's that's the, that's the whole thing is they were in the same boat. Didn't read the news. They they put something out. It was taken bad. Now yeah. of course they're big Second Amendment proponents, and they have pushed to have all of these weapons that are not really necessary, but I will admit are shitloads of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, for. For people to have, you know, automatic and, rifles and stuff, and so, yes, they ha- they have a, a certain responsibility to pay attention to stuff like that. Yeah, do a little Google on gun today <laughs> before you tweet anything. If you're the NRA, but I, now yeah. they know, you know. Well, and um, 
they could have just gone to CNN or you know one of those liberal media sites. Yeah, but I mean, it's I, an I, honest mistake. You don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna go and look at the news before I I say something. Yeah. You know, if I know about something, then I think about what I'm going to say. But it's just no. You still you, you shouldn't have to. I don't know. It, 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 a tweet goes everywhere. You know, it used to be you could put something out that on the radio in Washington D.C. or and that's where it stayed. And that's where it stayed. You know, and you wouldn't know anything about color, but that's not the world we live in. But you still don't. You shouldn't have to go and check the news before you say something that might be considered suddenly that what you're saying is insensitive. Right. Well, so, you know what though, there are certain people who probably should have checked the news, probably should have waited before opening up their big old potholes before and spouting off their conspiracy theories about, <laughs> oh, the causing of the Aurora, Colorado shooting. Now, the I question have, is, which one are you talking about? I, no, just, that's the thing. That's the thing. I have seen just shit tons. I'm Everything from Obama, I'm waiting for it to be blamed on chemtrails. I'm just <laughs> at that point. Of, well, I mean, there's even kind of very... Subtle things like the the Rick Warren tweet of his Rick the the quote was when students are taught they are no different from animals they act like it right now wrong it's not you know it wasn't actually saying Aurora was caused by people who who understand evolution or believe evolution or believe right. ev- well you know no it's yeah. different you can believe in evolution or trust the science behind evolution which is a better yeah. way of stating it. And not understand evolution. Just understand that this is what science knows. Right. I'm just trying to avoid the faith argument. Right. Regardless. This, you know, he wasn't actually coming out and saying that, but he was probably implying that. And there's a lot of, you know, Jerry Newcomb, Brian Fisher, all these kind of people are just spouting this stuff that well, the reason why Aurora happened is we don't have enough God in public life. Okay. First off. Brian Fisher can't step away from a fucking microphone without spouting something stupid. <laughs> Every day he spouts something stupid near a microphone. Okay. It's it's his gift. <laughs> <laughs> and there's people who truly enjoy that gift. Yeah. But I mean Vox Day, whom we've spoken about on this on the show, I believe once or twice. <laughs> You know, I mean, he came out and basically said that the Obama administration was pulling a wag the dog. Yeah, there was a lot of conspiracies about there's no way that this guy on on being a student, a graduate student, actually a PhD candidate, right? Uh, no, no grad he, student. he he was a he was grad student. student. He was a first year grad student. Right. Um, had taken his um, candidacy exam. Failed it, so he was not considered a PhD candidate. Okay, so grad student, he he dropped out, which of course, yeah, he was uh, in the process of dropping out. Yeah. So one of the conspiracy theories was that there's no way that this this guy could afford guns on, on a, uh, how much PhD money he was he was makes. doing as a as a grad student. Right? Yeah, there is a whole long screed on what we were talking about ten minutes ago on. Um, naturalnews.com by Mike Adams, the health ranger. Yeah. 
where, I mean, on your point of, he he kept talking about that, how did this guy get $20,000 worth of gear? Right, and that's kind of missing the point in that, you first of all, you can buy all this stuff cheaper, as a lot of people have pointed out. And he just pulled that number out of his ass. Yeah, and, I don't know, this thing's called credit cards. Yeah. Um, He could still have student loans if he's... Right, and I was about to say, he's not the first person to have received monies for various grad students, you know, grants and all of that jazz, and use them in, how shall we say, a manner unbecoming of being a grad student. (laughs) They didn't all go for studies and and, and a malted. Let's just... (laughs) So, it's quite easy for for him to have gotten all the equipment. Um, a lot of straightforward. The, I mean, it doesn't have a criminal past. Yeah, yeah a lot of he, the the Health Rangers article was kind of couching it in the idea that this was very exotic materials, like the the, the bullet vest and the gas mask. No, it, no, breathless, breathlessly saying that, oh, there's no way he could possibly get his hands on this unless he had government support. No, it's called a gun show. Yeah, <laughs> gun shows, surplus armies, places, conspiracy theorists, nuts. Yeah, it's not <laughs> impossible to get this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if you if some conspiracy nut happened to get it off the back of a truck, they can sell it to you cheaply if you're yeah. another conspiracy nut. Yeah. Well, and not even that. I mean, you you can just get it. He's for he's a grad student. He's he's a kid. He's a person in college. You can make you can make do a lot of stuff as being in college saying that you need it for research or you need it for for whatever. You or know. just there's a lot of people with gun hobbies out there, yeah. and most of them are. Well, I wasn't even talking about the guns. People. I'm talking about the chemicals and all the stuff he had yeah. for booby trapping his apartment and all that. Right, guys. because l- let's just put this out: the guy was a wackadoodle. Let's just he and, had some uh, sort of break. Okay. Yeah, this is I, I don't. We should I don't, get into this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't like saying that the guy was a wackadoodle. He was a fairly normal person from all. Uh, Fairly normal people, though, don't booby trap their houses with gasoline okay. and no, hand no, grenades. because you say he's a wackadoodle. That implies that he's been a wackadoodle his entire life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying up until some point recently, he was probably just just a, a highly quiet, intelligent shy guy. guy. Yeah, and something happened, and he he lost touch with reality. I you know I. I it, I don't like saying that because I think that calling him a wackadoodle is is an easy out, and it doesn't it doesn't address the question of why and how this happened. It says, "Oh well, he's just crazy." Well, no, what no. made him crazy? You know what I'm saying? Right. I, you know, calling him insane. But we can't sit there and say that he was in his right mind. No, that he was in his not. right mind, and we can't just sit there and go, "Well, it was grad school." Well, it was this. There were right. underlying issues. That contributed exactly, exactly, you know, and, and but at some he point he may have been having issues for a long time prior to that. Right, and that's that's the whole thing. That's my point. <laughs> they were small issues that built or built up over a long time, Perhaps. and then sometime probably in the last year there was some incident or break or whatever that led to pre-planning this and feeling that this was his only option for whatever reason he's done this. We're recording this on July 25th. Who knows in the next couple days before we release this what new information will come out. 
uh, one of the things we were talking about right before the show started is apparently he sent some journal right to a, a the, psychiatrist a, a psychiatrist psychiatrist at the college so we don't know if he was going to that psychologist or if he has was having therapy or anything like that but he was reaching out somehow so he knew that there was something going on there was definitely something wrong with him in the long run that made him plan this all out and the whole emailing a journal to a psychologist that's a cry for help unfortunately it didn't come in time yeah. So th- this built up over a long yeah, time, and, and we don't know you, all the details. Tell you right now, that's going to go completely against if he had any plans for a mental disease or defect. Well, we're not psychological experts, so right. we got to be really careful of what we assume. Right. Um, regardless, he did have mental issues, though. I I, I will make. The strong argument, the fact that he sent a notebook, mailed it to a psychiatrist for all the right reasons. You know, saying, hey, I feel this way. I want to go and shoot, kill people, anything else. Rather that what they're going to say is that's that's pre-planning. Yeah. That's going to weigh heavily against him. And then the next argument is going to be, if you were willing to mail it, why weren't you willing to... To check yourself into a hospital. Why weren't you willing to go to this doctor physically when they had not replied to you or somebody that's else good, and say, question. why I feel this way, take my guns away. On the <laughs> other hand, oftentimes, I mean, he's not thinking properly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, so that's my, the problem with the human condition. <laughs> we're a week into this, and my one of my hypotheses is that he he might have hoped for a death by cop. That he would go in and do this, and then would go out guns a-blazing, being shot by cops as soon as he left the theater. That's probably why he would... I, that's my yeah, idea just, why yeah, he was just... so a calm when he was arrested, because he was expecting, okay, I'm done now, now I will get killed, and... Okay, he has he didn't get that satisfaction, but he he knew what was going on. I think something there was something off, and he was enough in his right mind to, like you said, know that it was wrong. But he decided to go through it anyway. He needs a lot of help, but he should not be let out ever again. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but well, unfortunately, you can't, you, have, you can't really. You know what? No, I don't think that you can say that he should never be let out again. If it truly is mental disease or defect, he could be rehabilitated. But probably he should stay in a hospital most of his life. Or That's my opinion. Super, supervision. Yes. Right. Which means, in the long run, not really being, quote-unquote, let out. And you, we are armchair quarterbacking this to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> just to a certain extent. <laughs> I'm saying you should be locked away for life. Yeah, I'm on your quarterback in this one. <laughs> I'm trying, but, you know, I mean, like I said, there there are a variety of things. Um, a previous guest on our show, Dr. Allie and I, were talking the other night about the pressures of grad school and about how it's... There were times where, I mean, she and I both admit, there were times where we probably should have been locked up because just lack of sleep, lack of good food, because when you're in grad school, that bag of chips 
while you're sitting there with your book. Very easy <laughs> solution. <laughs> you know. A lot of high pressure, a lot of high Pressure, stress, everything else. You know, that there's, you know, we both related to the fact that things could have gone worse for us just due to the pressure. But so. this 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 part of the conversation does uh, raise the part of I say lock him away, don't kill him. Uh, one thing that really depressed me and got my ire up was. <laughs> Are we going back to natural news again? Because there's no, lots more on that one. But, not, not, okay, keep going. Not quite yet, but I can probably lead back to that. Was like the local news station on Facebook said, "Well, what do you think this should happen to the guy?" 99% of everything was kill him, kill him now, kill him. We, we know he did it, kill him. And it, it, it really pissed me off because the guy was normal until this point. Or at least presented as normal. Presented as normal. Something, it appears, went wrong. Let's find out why so we can, oh, I don't know, keep it from happening again. To you know, other people. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if he's locked up for another 40 years. Yeah. We can really reevaluate our mental health system to say, okay, this is a new piece of information to figure out how we can prevent Columbine, how we can prevent someone going postal, how we right. can prevent. And, the and, and in this particular case, if in fact the guy isn't just like this evil weirdo wacko, but he actually has a mental problem, again, the the the, the uh, imbalance or or structural defect. Find out what the hell's wrong. What what is different about this this guy that uh, since we know he is capable of doing this thing, find out what it is about it that that causes that because that can prevent uh, it happening again. I mean they they've shown for example that people who have uh, uh, are slightly psychopathic or sociopathic make great CEOs and leaders of companies. <laughs> you know, they, they make a lot of money and, and they, they're really good at the stock market. Okay, well, that's a socially acceptable uh, venue for their type of social interaction. Now, granted, it appears that one of them is running for president at this time and he doesn't do <laughs> oh, so <dear>. well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I threw that out there. But, I mean, you can see in, in the way he... He, he, he's not socially adept. Obama, regardless of what you think about him, is pretty good at social interaction. Romney is not. Okay? And that's my point. He made shitloads of money uh, being the person he is. Being well, so the, did Obama. Yeah, <laughs> but not nearly as much. But I, Romney's but, uh, got that aggressive CEO, yeah, don't take prisoners mentality. Yeah, and he doesn't particularly care about the other people. You know that's why that's why he closed down businesses because it made him money. He didn't care about the businesses; he cared about his investors. And the, that's my that's my take on it. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. You can prove me wrong, though. Just prove me wrong. Okay. So my point is that people who are very good at business tend to be uh, sociopathic in the sense that they don't really care about the small people because the small people, you know, it, it doesn't infringe right. on their view of the thing. And, and so we're talking about the continuum of sociopathic behavior where a little bit sociopathic makes you good at these kind of things. Yeah. Really sociopathic <laughs> makes you... Mansome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so my, but going back, all these people really wanted to kill him. You know, just, oh, just kill him now. And it's like, no, I don't think that we can do that. I, it, that's just... The pure- attitude of not, of not 
understanding, not even thinking that you know what what is going on without even having a clue as the 1% of the facts and just saying, well, just kill them. It's satisfying that need for vengeance, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's not always good enough. Right. And I'm, I'm going to make the argument here, though, and this kind of ties along with what you were saying about take them out of society. If it turns out he is completely sane. If. It's possible. If it turns out that he just wanted to be in there to kill people, Whatever, you know, whatever reasons, if there is no true mental disease or defect, schizophrenia, bipolarity, all of that jazz, if it turns out that he's just that guy, huh? I have no problem with the state sticking a needle in his arm and I'll be the first one to pull the fucking plunger. <laughs> okay. I, I don't personally have a problem with the death penalty in that some people who are completely unredeemable, if we take them out of society by killing them, I don't have a moral objection to that because that's for the good of society and all that. I, I, I hate the people who are saying we should kill this guy to stop other people from doing this as a yes. preventive right. measure because it's not going to do that. We got There was a story that I think Donna posted some one, to one of our pages somewhere about some guy in New Hampshire who was pulled over going like 120 miles an hour on the freeway yeah. or highway, where whatever it is up in New Hampshire, where you can't get there from here. Um, <laughs> and he was he admitted to the cop that he had a gun with him when he went to the Batman film on Saturday the 21st, so the day after this had happened. Right, which makes a little bit of sense if you're... I mean... If he had stopped there, yes, it would have made yeah, sense. Okay. But he admitted to the cop for some reason, I don't know how it got onto this side of the conversation, but he admitted to the cop that he was driving 120 miles an hour to go down and shoot his ex-employer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I saw that one too. So, saying that you're going to kill the guy who did the Colorado shooting is not going to be any sort of deterrent. And we've seen that in statistic after t- statistic. Yeah. It's not going to act as a deterrent. It's purely that, frankly, biblical revenge of eye for an eye. I just want to hurt them. And my humanistic, atheistic view is it hurts them more to keep them alive for as long as you possibly can in a dank cell that they get to just stew in their own horribleness at, rather than give them the but, quick exit of, okay, you're dead. Yeah, but I don't want to take care of the guy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the balancing case point. Of, you know, if it was a case of the state kills him or they put him in a little box and expect his family to come and bring him food and everything else, at that point I'm like, fine, either way, I don't really care. But I, if it is truly somebody who is unredeemable, in which I believe there are very few people. Right. It's well, a, let's, let's it's talk about right. a truly tiny, tiny minority. Charles Manson, for example. Charles Manson, I'd have no problem. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would love to be the one to push the plunger on that one. And I'm he didn't kill anybody. Yeah, no, but he he convinced others. That's to do what, it. Right, but but right, but you see the but thing. But he is one of those that I would qualify as truly, truly unredeemable. Sure. Like I said, wouldn't have any problem with that. I have a problem with the state feeding them to a certain extent at that point, you know. I just, I would like my tax dollars to go, oh, say, build a school. Yeah, well, see, this, it's this, not like prison food is that great. I mean, you get all these stories about 
Republicans uh, complaining three about three meals a day, yeah, you know, meals, meals a day, meals. and cable. cable TV and blah blah blah. I really don't think it's that good in prison. No, but there's a basic I, yeah, level. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a basic I level. Mean, is, human- your, is your cellmate a g- guy who goes by the name Queen Bubblicious? Then it might be kind of bad. <laughs> the state okay. should provide a certain level of human. Humanity in that they allow them to eat, they allow them to walk around, they don't torture them. Beyond that, there's no need to give them a lot of creature comforts. Depending on the offense, they can learn and go to school and read books, or just be locked away in solitary if they need to be, if they're particularly violent, especially in prison. There's a spectrum. I'm not saying lock all prisoners in a tiny little box and leave them there forever, but the really truly irredeemable just... Give them some basic humanity and leave it at that. Okay, this this makes sense if you're assuming that all the laws of fair people are in jail because they are supposed to be in jail. Oh yeah. And the the real problem I have with now we've gone way off the the whole thing is, but I'm gonna we'll come back I'm sure, uh, is that the majority of jails are now privatized, so they're a for profit institution. Uh, and how do you become for profit? Uh, well, you cut down on the basic necessities of the people inside, and you shove and, as many people and as possible. And you, you pay off judges to bring yeah. in more prisoners. Yeah. And, and, and you, one of the ways that they're going to do that is for these people who are in there who truly do have mental disease or defect, their medications are going to be cut, their health facilities are going to be cut. Yeah. That's it, it, because they're, it's going to go. Bottom line. Yeah. And so, uh, right now, there's a, there's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to solve it. I mean, we could try and reset. How you do that uh, is not a fun way to do it. But well, one way you could solve totally it, up. going back to the natural news thing, is you could assume what um, Mike Adams, the health ranger, assumes is that this guy was a patsy. Yeah. And that he was trained by the FBI. Oh, that's right, because he's a he's a he's a uh, he's a neuroscientist kid. Yeah, and so he was doing uh, yeah. brain uh, control experiments. experiments, and so it went horribly wrong. And now he's he went out. I and- missed that bit of comedic <laughs> gold. Oh my god. It yeah, takes a special kind of person. Now, that guy is a wackaloon. Mike yes. Adams is a wackaloon. Yes. He definitely needs some medication. Well, he, and, he and Vox Day could share a cell somewhere. Uh, there you go. There's, there's two yeah. of them right there. He, he talks about the fact that his behavior doesn't add up. Very kind of, well, I'm just adding que- asking questions here. Oh, Where, hate, you know, he's talking just about saying. that this guy who's like bent on mayhem or whatever he was part of experiments or whatever. And it was, you know, the FBI has this track record of staging terroristic events. And it's all about the handgun ban. That's going, that people are voting about at the UN. Exactly. That kind of situation where he starts talking about, Oh, this is just like fast and furious where they're staging terroristic events and trying to get handguns banned. No fast and furious as stupid as it was, was trying to, Put guns that could be trackable in the hands of criminals yeah. so they could find the bigger criminals. Yes. It was nothing about trying to ban handguns. So 
just completely off his rocker with these conspiracy theories saying that he couldn't possibly have learned anything about weapons or anything about improvised bomb making from, I don't know, say, the internets? <laughs> it, it was all this kind of, oh, he must have been trained, he must have been supplied, and he must have been programmed to, once he accomplished his mission, to just calmly go out and surrender himself to the police. Yeah. And that's really dangerous thinking, because that's that feeds into the whole idea that he is either this big conspiracy that I can explain and blame it on the government... Or that he's a completely crazed lunatic who who did this, and you we can ignore everybody else's problems because this is just one crazy guy. <laughs> so Mike Adams had this whole long seven page screed on, you know, I can't believe this. You know, how did he get this money um, for this equipment? Or he, that. Th- he's that. a mystery man with no background, despite the fact that in the next paragraph he goes on to say you know where he graduated from school and that he only has a small criminal record with for traffic tickets yeah he has a background you found it you idiot <laughs> so he's he's the screed about the UN's arms treaty and how the government is always responsible for more murders than individuals but then he well, follows up the next day <laughs> with another article basically a four page five page screed on why did no one fight back? Questions linger over the Batman oh. movie theater shooting, where every paragraph begins with, well, I just don't understand. Why didn't anybody ever shoot back? Or why didn't everybody tr- anybody try to tackle him or anything? And I counted it. There um, are, it's called tear gas. There are four separate times in this article where he says, I'm not putting any blame on anybody who was in the theater. I think but, he doth protest too much. Exactly. He's got this whole butt face thing going on where you talk about one thing and then says but and goes into saying that, you know, I would have tackled him. Well, I know Krav Maga or some stupid thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you know Krav Maga, actually? <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and saying that, well, I, you know, I'm trained in shooting. All it would have taken for me was just one shot to the head, and I would have gotten him. There was, like you said, tear gas. gas. He He was wearing body armor. It's a dark theater. Chaos. I've I've been talking to someone who owns guns and is both a member of the ACLU and the NRA. And and she said, basically, anybody who did whip out that gun to shoot back would have been incredibly stupid. Right. Because you you don't, if you can't see your target, that's you, a bad thing. And people might think you're the shooter too and shoot at you. That that was my, I, I actually had a, a slight argument with a couple of people on on the old Facebook. The place people go for arguments on the internet. Yes. <laughs> um, and that was exactly my point. And, and obviously we were thinking on the same lines because everything you said is exactly what I said. And he said, well, have you been shot at? And I said, well, okay. Yes, I've been shot at, I've been mortared, I've been rocketed, uh, and I've got a cream pie to my face. How does this help me in this particular situation? Where your first instinct as a human being is probably, i got to get out of this situation, it's chaos. Yeah, well, your first thought is, what the hell's going on? Because like they said, this guy came in and they thought it was part of the show. You right. know, yeah. he could have been firing blanks and yeah, oh, this and try, is a try, stunt. Try, yeah, and so until people started getting hurt, that's one thing. And then 
and, they, and they I, were, I hate I hate the armchair quarterback yes, of, of this thing because people think that oh well I wouldn't I just stand up and shoot him right in the head yeah it's especially like, the yeah, audacity to say it just would have taken one shot yeah bull fucking shit yeah and I, so I started doing a little bit of research on that and I found some statistics on say people who use guns often and are supposedly trained in situations where they're being fired upon. Like, I don't know, police officers. Right. And from in 2005, New York Times um, had an article. In 2005, uh, New York cops fired like 389 rounds, and they had a 17% hit rate. And these are cops. These are, these are people who are trained. have to keep up with their training in marksmanship. Exactly. Now, in, up in 2007... Uh, L.A. had, uh, they only shot something like 100-something, and they had a 40% hit rate. So you're talking, it'd take at least probably two bullets, <laughs> and it depends on how close you are to the person, and then all kinds of things, you know? Yeah. But you're talking about how many people have guns, are they going to think you're one of the shooters, do you suddenly have to defend yourself, and then, well, suddenly you've drawn attention to yourself, mm-hmm. if he can see you. You know, it's just a it's an inane comment, and I haven't received word back, and I'm hoping that the guy will see my point. But well, and, I, I, and it I, also ignores the fact that there were plenty of people who were just trying to get out of there, or trying to run. Yeah, but there were a lot of people who are dead now, who covered up their significant other. A lot of there were several yeah. guys who covered up their girlfriends or whatever, and I, said. I am and basically tackled them to the ground and was a, a human shield. They are dead because they wanted to protect someone else. Yeah. And I have one thing to say about that. Fuck James Toronto. Who's James Toronto? He is a Wall Street reporter, Wall Street Journal reporter, who tweeted today, and I will quote this exactly, I hope the girls who boyfriends died to save them were worthy of the sacrifice. Ah, uh, that guy. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck <laughs> Fuck, fuck you. It, it it's just amazing the the level Sorry. of blame the victim. Yeah, that has really gone on, especially in this Health Ranger article where he's talking about if I was there, I would have done it differently. I don't understand why these people aren't doing. I'm not insulting them, but I just don't understand. We'll find out more later. But to 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 he read a lot into sketchy details, saying sure. that assuming that. You know, well, he just walked out after he was shoot. He shot all that he was going to shoot, and he walked out of the theater. He was still, and Mike Adams was still saying, "Well, why didn't anybody tackle him as he walked out?" Because he had still had his freaking guns. Yeah. So, well, it's a, a, it's a prime example of the Dunning Kruger effect, which is yeah. that incompetent people don't know that they're incompetent. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and certain Wall grandeur. Street reporters should keep their pie holes shut. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sorry, as a woman, I am mildly offended that this man works for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. All there, right. Well, there's one little thing I do want to talk about to finish this up because I know we've really been going a long time on this, which was um, when this incident happened in Colorado. Um, there happened to be um, the brother of one of the victims lives here in San Antonio, a Jordan uh, Gawi. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, He's started, because he saw some reactions to 
tweets online and commentary on the whole situation, has started a campaign to not mention the gunman's name. Yep. Which we haven't. Which we, we haven't it, in just casual conversation. No. It's easier but, to say gunman. Yeah, but there's, there's the argument of a lot of people who do these kind of shootings want the notoriety, want to go down as John Lee or John Lewis or whatever. Whose names you have just mentioned. And be remembered forever. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that, so shut up, Gary. <laughs> the irony. Why don't you just bleep... You know what, Gary? Bleep me out when I say those names. Um, so the kind of thing, like, you, you know from the Columbine shootings... More people remember the name of the two kids that were the gunmans than any of the victims. Or gunmen. I'm sorry. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So he he's really kind of pressed this campaign to say, let's not men- mention his name. And the governor of Colorado, when he was at... Um, a memorial service didn't mention him, and when President Obama came to the hospital to visit, um, Jordan um, was able, able to actually talk to Obama and say, I think this is important, and when Obama went out and talked to the press, he didn't mention the gunman's name. Yeah, right on. So, but there's a, a certain amount of how much of this is a Voldemort effect. Right. Is there say, too, saying the word giving makes too much you, power yeah. to the name to say, well, we're not just going to say it, versus... Yeah, like, let's respect the victims and let's not give this guy any more publicity than we really have to besides yeah. the honest to goodness factual reporting of there is a sp- suspect whose name is blank and that's all we're going to talk about name you know we can talk about be- the background of the gunman the suspect right. whatever you're going to call it but is there too much fear being placed in his name if we do I think, that? I think, well, I, I think it depends on, on how it's done. Uh, because it looks like it's done in the, in the manner not to give the guy any... any. Uh, but if you start doing it in, in the... Where you give that the name magical power, um, and then that's, that's when it becomes a problem. Right now, I agree. But I'm yeah. horrible with names. There, there are some things like... Certain uh, there were reports of some newspapers getting complaint tweets or emails about you shouldn't mention him at all. But yeah, in nice in bullshit. in newspaper reports about what has happened, sometimes you really just have to say the name of the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think it's important that you you give the name at least once so that people know who it is. I don't know why they need to know, but maybe you're related to him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you might recognize the name and know more information. Sure. But it's important to have factual information about what's going on and then not give the person any more attention. Yep. Well, what else was in the news? Uh, maybe something a little bit less dark and conjectury. So well. less dark being the death of an American hero? Shit. That doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry, Gary, to step all over your nice, beautiful transition there. Yeah, but, but we can be snarky about certain things surrounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and honestly, it's just, Sally Ride was was a hero. I remember being junior high age and hearing the announcement of the first woman in space, first American woman. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Valentina Tereshkova. I. Considering she happened to go into space 20 years earlier. First American woman to go into space 
as a scientist. Also, right. I mean, she was a payload specialist, basically. This was big news. This yeah. was the, you know, and the funny part about it is, is I would spend my summers up in Washington State. Where I spent my summers is where one of the next female astronauts came from, one by the name of uh, Bonnie J. Dunbar. And I remember, you know, meeting her. I've met Bear Ride, who is S- Sally Ride's sister. These are important women. They placed the ability to dream of being a scientist, of being an astronaut, despite what the government wanted. Because apparently John Glenn has come out saying that when they were kind of approached about this women in space program. Even as far back as the Mercury program, I think. That it really wasn't wanted. That, That, oh, women can't handle it. Sally Ride did it, and she did it with honor and grace. Yeah. So, you know, I, I honestly, that hit me very hard. Yeah. Well, she did, I mean, she was, what, 61? 61, died so, of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, so, so she wasn't overly young, so at least she did live a full and productive life. And, and that's at least something that some comfort can be taken of, of someone who did really good things with her life and um, started, um, I can't remember the name of the organization, but an organization to try to get more women into um, the astronaut program and um, just sciences in general to use her firstness as a way to inspire others, like she inspired you, but to really kind of pass that along and, and work to better the world. Right. Very private person. As, as we are now discovering, not only did the fact that she did not reveal that she had cancer to the world, she did not reveal her orientation. She didn't feel like it was necessary for the arguments. And it shouldn't be. And, and Right. But Dr. Ride will be sorely missed in this world, yep. just personally. Yep, and unfortunately, um, she had to hide her sexual orientation that she had a partner. Um but she couldn't doesn't stop Chick Fil A from coming out. I was about to say she yeah. couldn't eat at Chick Fil A. Yeah. Oh, no, she can. <laughs> as that's long a, as as long as she, you know. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the thing about the the whole Chick Fil A deal is, I, I know that is it Chick Fil A the organization that gives money to anti-gay, or is it the CEO the owner? Because I, I always got the feeling it's that it was kind of a little from column A and a little from column B. Yeah. Because like the Mormon Church obviously put lots of money into Prop Eight, right? Um, but and, we've got the head of the organization is very pro-biblical, sure, Christian guy himself. I'm sure he gives plenty of his CEO money, which is a lot, to these kind of organizations. But also, I can't remember the name of the quote-unquote charity that Chick Fil A runs for all intents and purposes. That is their corporate charity. It's by a different name. Um, no gays welcome. <laughs> I don't think it's that on the nose. Um, it supports and gives money to other anti-gay organizations as a corporate um, charity entity. Ah, okay. So that's why it's kind of both. Oh, uh, Chick-fil-A donated nearly $2 million to anti-gay groups in 2009. So it is the company. Right. Yeah. Donated also to the FRC, uh, the Family Research Council. <laughs> Yeah. Which, you know, as we know, is code for 
virulently anti-gay. So there, there are records going back to donations to these kind of groups in the level of at least hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, maybe up, you know, once we got to 2010 in the millions of, of dollars from going back at least to 2003. So it's actually been known within secular and skeptical circles that they do donate to these kind of groups. Yeah. And there has been publicity, but it was only once the CEO came out and said, yeah, we hate the gays. Okay, I'm paraphrasing a bit there, but... Um, <laughs> hate I, believe, I believe his, 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 his words were guilty as charged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's uh, they're, they're out and out saying, yeah, we believe in the biblical literism of gays are bad, but we'll still serve bacon with chicken or something. Yeah. Um, right, you can... With cheese and you know, yeah. feel free to buy your deep fat fried breaded chicken patty, but know that you know two cents of that is going to go to the Family Research Council. <laughs> that's that's honestly how I look at it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's only now that they've really become more out and open. Uh, ironically, they've been out about <laughs> it now. They've been outed. Yes. <laughs> so now that's led to things like. Boycotts, Facebook memes, the whole thing. Where before it was more under the radar. That's yeah. that's the whole thing with the the Mike Huckabee that he was like, oh, you're just persecuting Chick Fil A, so let's have Chick Fil A Appreci- Appreciation Day. Well, yeah. it's it's our free speech to say we disagree with Chick Fil A and we're going to vote with our dollars and we're going to have national same sex kiss in front of a Chick-fil-A day. I think it's August 3rd or something. <laughs> and I will be there. I will find a Chick-fil-A and kiss a girl. It's not like it's first ah, for me. So you're going to do a Chick-fil-A in front of a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be careful there because uh, Dan Savage twi- tweeted today that the uh, synonym for Chick-fil-A is the sexual act of pegging. Yeah, well, we got to trust Dan Savage on that. Yes, because we trusted him on Santorum and uh, saddlebacking. Yeah, but 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 those are those are uh, gay homosexuals. <laughs> what did I say? Male homosexuals. <laughs> what did I say? Gay homosexuals? Holy shit! <laughs> what is the matter with you? <laughs> is that like the double secret probation? <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, well, they're I not just, just a little gay. They're gay. <laughs> they're gay homosexuals. They're happy as well. <laughs> I just came out from the redundancy uh, department of redundancy <laughs> department. <laughs> I mean, those are those are male homosexuals, right? So, what does he know about the female homosexuals? Nothing. Oh wow, <laughs> you're just gonna get in so much trouble. For our <laughs> listeners, that's Gary Law. <laughs> Spell G A R I E L O Q V L C P. Okay, your, and the your name's five. on a freaking website, Gary. What's <laughs> <I was> that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's kind of a problematic free speech thing, well, the whole well, situation, but we can vote with our dollars right. and but not go. I guess go. my issue is, is that One Million Moms and Family Research Council and Focus on the Family all the time going, you can't buy Pepsi, you can't buy Coke, you can't chop it 
Home Depot. You can't shop at JCPenney's because they support the homosexual agenda. And these companies should just remain neutral in the culture wars. But turn around, turn that table around and say, I'm not going to spend my dollars at Chick-fil-A. And all of a sudden, you're harming business and you shouldn't do that. And you're infringing on my religious freedom to be a bigot. Right. Right, right. See, at the boycott, I don't have a problem with. I mean, that's what you do. You boycott yeah. somebody, but not allowing. It, it's the, so the difficult government because saying I'm not going to vote right, for this, but because of their opinion, there's a certain extent to which a political figure can say because of someone else's moral stance, I am not going to vote for this measure. I'm not going to vote to approve this thing, and then if the public disagrees with me, they will vote me out in the next election. Yeah. But that's a really, really fine line. It is. Well, the problem is that you can say if a company is actively discriminating against homosexuality or if they're actively discriminating against homosexuals or trans or queer or bi or whatever, like the person who just got fired from Salvation Army because she was bi. Exactly. That you can definitely say, one, we're going to prosecute you for for being against the law. Right. And also, we don't want your business here because you are a prejudiced business. But if the owner of a company, say for example, the owner of a company just for some reason does not like Latinos, but if they aren't actively... If the company if, itself... If the company itself still hires, gives a fair pay, is not discriminatory in, in right, the hires hiring, Latinos. in firing... <laughs> But the owner happens to not like them and gives money to the Minutemen because he doesn't want more Latinos in the country or something. That's a lot more of a gray area, and you got to be really, really careful. And I think, well, as much as I agree with the mayor of Boston and the aldermen in Chicago, I think they're they're overstepping what they really legally can do. Perhaps, maybe. And that's right. And we're no it's a, legal it's a gray line. Yeah. And we're kind of talking around. I, 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 I agree that the stated reasons that they're giving for um, put them in legal trouble. Yes. While Chick-fil-A discriminates, it's a personal choice not to allow them in. Right. Whereas you vote somebody in who's, you know, hates the homosexuals. Suddenly, there's Chick Fil A's on every corner, right yeah. next to the Starbucks. I think it was uh, not to complain. Actually, I'm, I just complained Starbucks and Chick Fil A. I am so sorry. Starbucks actually <laughs> does do well for the LGBTQ. Yeah. And I may be conflating community. the Boston and the Chicago guy right now, but I think it was the alderman in Chicago successfully said, "I don't want Walmart here." Right. Because That's I think correct. Walmart is bad for the community. Yes. For small businesses, whatever. And he doesn't like Walmart and its practices and how they treat the the workers that they have, but right. he had a business reason to say, I'm going to stop these. Sure, a business and a social reason. Yeah, the Chick-fil-A was purely social, yeah. purely moralistic, well, and you that's can, where you get into Oh, You can make the argument that health-wise, it's not healthy to eat a Chick-fil-A. I mean, Mayor Bloomberg is yeah, already... Yeah, but if you have a McDonald's on the same street, right. it makes it very difficult. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing. If they're not allowing them in now... Ah, uh, grandfathered. Oh, yeah. Okay. Argument is, it's not a healthy way to eat. Mayor Bloomberg is trying to do that with sodas. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah make the argument. But, yeah, yeah. So much for a small government. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, <laughs> but yes, we were not fond of Chick-fil-A, and as a long way of coming about it, thank you for your service, Sally Ride. No. <laughs> Speaking about being skeptical about studies, there's a recent study about compassion in Neanderthals. Most of the article. <laughs> Go ahead. What are you going to say? Just say right. it. Uh, what How studies do they know? Were... <laughs> right. Okay. What, what studies were we just talking about? I'm confused. Um, Neanderthal study out of the University of York studying um, compassion. Where all the pirates are. Studying compassion and about how um, proto-humans, and they included Neanderthals in this, exhibited compassionate acts. Um, Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) He has Neanderthal DNA. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) They say that there's basically in the course of human history that there was four stages of the growth of compassionism in proto-humans. Oh, now it's an ism. So, in this study from the University of York, they said that the stage one of compassion was first exhibited six million years ago. Obviously. And that the initial signs of compassion are things like a gesture of comfort, moving a branch out of the way. Here's where I'm skeptical of the entire argument of how do you know that RRN2genensis or Artipithecus ramidus, these really proto-humans from approximately six million years ago, Moved a fucking branch for some. Yeah, it's. I mean, I know you'll go more into this with the later stages of compassionism, whatever the hell they're talking about there. Um, but the idea. I mean, there's some things that you can read into in when they started doing burials, when right. they started and that- finding artworks and stuff like that. Like, oh, there's higher order thinking, or there's thinking of the body after death and having compassion that way. But, yeah, there's a lot of supposition in these. In this article. Yeah. Go um, Like I said, stage two was care for the sick, care for the injured, special treatment for the dead. Now, mind you, this is Homo erectus. This is about 1.8 million years ago. We're not seeing really burials at this point. And it's not until you get into stage three with uh, Homo heidelbergensis and Neanderthalensis where you start seeing care over long periods of time and you start seeing the burials and then they say that the fourth stage of compassion is abstract thought, an extension of compassion for strangers, animals, objects, and the abstract. Um, and I, they used neural imaging to extrapolate feelings. Now, they didn't really explain this, so what I'm assuming is is that they're getting into uh, frontal cortex size. I'm making a really big assumption there, I admit, yeah, that- because I was kind of lost on this article, and considering the plethora of Neanderthal articles that came out this week. Yeah, I, when I read that part about the neuroimaging and they figured out people's um, the our ancestors' emotions based on neuroimaging, I thought back to what I mentioned about Tam, Carol Tavris's talk about how neuro has become this buzzword where if you do a scan, a brain scan or a, you know, a, a, a functional scan of a, of a skull or something to figure out what the spaces are, that people read so much into that and think it's the end-all, be-all, and, oh, now we can figure out everything because we can do an fMRI. I know this wasn't an fMRI, but just the idea that this technology can make us figure out everything about people's emotions back then. Right. I I, I can get some of it from the idea of, oh, there was this this old 
skeleton or whatever that had an obvious deformity that must have meant they had to care for each other in the long term. Right. And that's taking care of your ancestor that might be a burden on your pack. It's not just all the stereotypical fighter, you know, kill-or-be-killed Darwinian thing. It's not all survival of the fittest. But beyond that, yeah, moving a frickin' branch... I really don't get where they have, have get half these ideas. I even came up with that. Oh, with with a kind gesture was the other thing. Moving a branch with a kind gesture, with a kind gesture. How about moving a branch and then flipping the other gorilla off? I mean, they <laughs> could do that. And on them. I don't know. But followed it up. There's a absolutely wonderful science article about the asymmetry in arm musculature in Neanderthals. Ooh, ooh I have a, an hypothesis. Do I really want to know? Because I got a feeling that this is going right back to sexy this is, time. Yeah, it's primate sexy time, and I think everybody knows my hypothesis about why the Neanderthals had such big right arms. So why don't you go in with the actual science? The actual science is... <laughs> innuendo averted. <laughs> no, I was pretty innuendo-y, but... Okay, I'm not going to go there. Go ahead. Innuendo-y. <laughs> now we're getting back on Chick-fil-A and pegging, so... <laughs> That they really believe that the asymmetry, because it is such a strong asymmetry between the two arms in male Neanderthals, it's almost like a a fifty percent. You expect some asymmetry. Anatomically modern human averages about ten percent in their muscle capacity from right to left, but Neanderthals is upwards of. Close to 50%. Yeah, about 50% is what the article said. So they are obviously using their right arm much more extensively than they were using their left arm. Stop with the gestures, Greg. (laughs) So their original hypothesis that's been around... Was spear throwing? Yes. Actual spears, Greg. Actual spears. (laughs) Yes. So the idea was that, uh, like, a two-handed grip of a spear, and you thrust the spear in. I know well, they, I'm getting really dangerous here. They thrust the spear in the animal, and that takes a lot of right arm strength. But, it, like, they found something different? Well, they they looked at it in, in for spear hunting, three different motions. A rapid withdrawal, repeated strikes, and then strikes, followed by a pushing the spear forward. Kinky. <laughs> Now they examine basically this against... everything the Catholic Church says it should be doing during sex. <laughs> <laughs> now they, when they tested these theories of spear throwing, it turned out that they were people were using the left side as much, or in fact even more than the left than the right hand side. So it really wasn't making a, a, a. It was there was a cognitive dissonance of why isn't this so when, showing when modern men were using. The spear, spear in these actions. actions. There's there's a lot of left arm strength involved as well, so it's not purely right. Correct. So that's why what it, it didn't explain so much more. Because the evidence of a bigger arm on Neanderthals is not that we have the skin impression in the sand or something, but there are connections on the bones right. that uh, show bigger muscles that that are very different from the left and right arm. Right. Basically, what happens is is the connection points are larger when you develop the muscles. So, so if it wasn't spears, what did they think it was? Scraping, actually. Uh, the production and processing of hides for use throughout the year. And what they've figured is, is that through hacking, pushing, and two different types of pulling, that 
Neanderthals were basically preparing hides over the course of an entire year rather than just kind of when they were needed. Hmm. So it's once again, they're showing forethought of, oh, look, we're going to need this when it gets cold or this hide is going to wear out in a year and we're going to need something to throw over our heads. So we we might want to process some more in advance. Okay, and and maybe because Neanderthals were more primitive than Homo sapien, they didn't have quite the most efficient techniques. Right, they didn't have the most efficient techniques, the most efficient, uh, efficient like stone tools and, and whatnot to process them. It might be a case of anatomically modern human, once again, kind of trumping the Neanderthal technologically-wise. We didn't um, have to work as hard, so we, we didn't have as We didn't muscles. have to work as hard, and when you're a Neanderthal, and Neanderthals were averaging a three to 5,000 calorie diet a day, Homo sapiens needed a 2,000, getting a lot more of it from less work. You're not having to put out as much work, so you don't have the energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. Kind of all ties in together. So basically, you're just calling our entire species lazy. Yes, I okay. am. There is also that fits me pretty well. So they also have looked into the where your humerus attaches into your scapula, uh, your upper arm bone into your shoulder socket. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you should know better, Donna. Keep going. <laughs> I I I got the looks. I I I pulled it back. That when you do long term things like spears and throwing and like tennis type movements it really kind of the the head of the humerus really rounds because you're you're making that constant arcing motion with your whole arm in neanderthals it was still very squared off so that means they were not doing this over arcing motion with their arms it was much more of a, a closed in scraping. Kind of a quick stab yes if anything or lots of small repetitive motion with right. scraping gotcha hmm and that was what a forensic anthropologist had said. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but you know, there's cool. there's also now there's two other articles that came out about Neanderthals in the afterlife. Um, Ghost Neanderthals, right? Neanderthals. I was just making a joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you didn't say Neanderthal. Um, <laughs> showing that Neanderthals intentionally buried their dead. Uh, they left them with tools and with food and in an area where there was obviously fires and uh, symbolic gestures of like panther claws and all this is really, really interesting. And they, they covered them with rocks. So they so, think it wasn't just an they, – they think it definitely wasn't just an avalanche or something, but they covered them with rocks just to protect them. Right. It didn't get to the point of full-on burial, but they wanted to protect the body somehow. Yes. Um, and there's – Two spots in Spain right now where they're finding a lot of Neanderthal skeletons. And more importantly is that when you're getting the whole skeleton, you're not only getting a glimpse of their body form, you're getting a really kind of this glimpse into their whole biology, which is really neat. There's going to be some really good science coming out of this in probably the next five years. Because most oftentimes anthropologists are going off a bit here, a piece there sort of thing. You look at Lucy it's only 30% of the skeleton. It's very fortunate in that 
you've got an arm here and a leg there and you can extrapolate to the other side, but still, it's not whole skeletons. These are some pretty amazing finds. Do these whole skeletons have something to do with there's a lot of diet yes. discoveries that have been happening lately? Um, they actually got some teeth and they uh, basically cleaned them out. Obviously, Neanderthals didn't floss between meals. They brought the skull to a dentist and say, here, fix this. <laughs> well, there's a lot of times, actually, and this is something that wasn't mentioned in any of these articles, that's how they're getting the the nuclear DNA now, is through teeth. Hmm. Um, if the teeth are still connected to the lower jawbone, a tooth socket, the very inner part, has the nuclear DNA. If that tooth is still connected into the mandible, the lower jaw, it is very well protected. And this is how a lot of science now is starting to get that it's what helped do the Neanderthal genome. Cool. But what they have found is, is that back to the, what they were eating, that Neanderthals were experimenting with plants, not just as a food source, but as medicinal purposes. They found these plants that they know taste like shit, but were in the teeth of these Neanderthals. And the common plants, I mean, related to chamomile and yarrow, which have been known to have um, medicinal purposes. I mean, people use chamomile tea to this day, right. you know, to settle Soothing your stomach and everything else. Like Yarrow is an astringent. It cleans wounds. Hmm. All this. So, you know, these Neanderthals were probably seeking these out. They, they learned that if you were hurting this, they didn't know the word anti-inflammatory, but they right. knew that... If they were hurting or something, if they chewed on this weed or something, that they felt a little better. In addition, the, yeah. it has always been assumed that Neanderthals had a, a heavy meat diet. Heavy, heavy meat diet. And now it appears that they were much more of the omnivore than had previously been suspected. And there's, you know... Well, that... Theories that, that being tossed around. sense as well, simply because they needed the larger... Um, Intake of calories, right? right? They just needed to keep eating, so they ate right. everything they could find. And Neanderthals, being taller than anatomically modern human, did, and the larger brain case, the larger skull, the larger muscle aperture from the top of the head to the to the mandible, the bigger teeth, these all suggested that they were primed for eating grasses, grains, which take a very long time to digest mm -hmm. with very little caloric benefit. So there's big muscles on the face to do the grinding motions. Yep. Stuff like that. Um, and maybe they were eating these as a seasonal shift in diet. You know, the cold winter, they kind of stockpile some of them up. Migratory reasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons that are being bandied about. But right now, there's so much coming out about Neanderthals. This week alone, there was four or five articles and I'm only scraping the surface on this. <laughs> so with this thing about the medicinal plants, about uh, Neanderthals, we're going to assume that they weren't like homeopaths or anything like that. But <laughs> they probably is, didn't have any is idea. Is it really that... such a surprise that Neanderthals and maybe some other primates do ingest plants right. for and medicinal purposes? Seen it in. Uh, gorillas. It's been seen in orangutans. This is just kind of that 
first proof of it. You know, of... Hell, I've seen it in dogs. Right. You have a dog that's not feeling well. It goes outside, eats grass, so it throws up. Right. But we can sit there and go, yeah, they probably did. Now we can say, yeah, they did. Okay. You know, physical evidence, fine. Yeah, we, we have physical evidence. You know, um, like I said, a lot of stuff about Neanderthals, and I am sure in the next coming months there will be a lot more to come, especially with finding the two burial sites. Well, the burial sites in northern and southern Spain where the um, burial evidence and the teeth scrapings are coming out of, because they were found on two different sites in Spain. Cool. So, yay! Yay! Yay for anthropology! Excellent. All right, I think that pretty much does it for this week. Once again, third week in a row. This is like the month of no lightning round. It's true. We had the song challenge early July and then a couple weeks without lightning round on on purpose. It's probably because the lightning shut the power off to my house, and I am, now I am wary of <laughs> You were I a little bitter know. about that. <laughs> yeah. Just like the Neanderthals having their bitter medicine. Their bitter herbs. Hello, thank you for joining us. We'll talk with you next week. Goodbye! Goodbye! Bye! Did you ever introduce us by our names at no. the beginning of the show? I did not. I'm Greg. I'm Donna. My name shall not be named. You're Gary. Good night, folks. <laughs> The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Dennis, get it. I put it in your hands. Your capable hands. The hands which are capable and are yours. And do you want to talk about just thanking people for the 300 likes? or? I shall take the 300 likes and I shall put it on the pedestal. The 300 likes can lead into the one lake, which I mispronounced as like last year, last week. God, my brain not work. I think we need to move along. <laughs> oh, what do we got for birthdays? <laughs> well, speaking of science fiction and wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, that's the best can, thing I can do. Um, in 1978, Who's July 25th, <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. Who's, whose doctor's birthday is it? Doctors were involved. Ah. It is... <laughs> Gary, why do you do tubular, this? Tubular, man. <laughs> you just keep making yourself have to edit the shit out of these shows. My God. It just... It'll get better. It's just the beginning. I'm very excited that... Um... No, actually, I'm not. Go ahead. Considering in listening to last week's show, I know there's at least one situation where I gave the little clap to let you know you could edit shit out. Yeah. You didn't edit shit out. <laughs> <laughs> I edited a lot out. <laughs> There were certain things you didn't. But anyway, you were just trying to embarrass me. Well, Well, wait, really? Yeah, probably. I don't know. (laughs) Excuse me. I had tacos for lunch. (laughs) Okay. So, Greg, what do we have for birthdays?